when I was in my Navy officer training a year and a half ago, as I prepared to be a, a Navy chaplain, um, I was in training with doctors, nurses, dentists, lawyers, a bunch of other people, not just chaplains. And so when some of them would find out that, uh, you know, I was preparing to be a Catholic chaplain, that they realized, oh wait, at this time I was still a deacon, but they, they realized, wait, you can't get married. My roommate, you know, when he first asked that, you know, I think he had a sense of, well, whatever makes you kind of happy, but you can kind of tell his, his mind was a little blown. You know, why would someone give up marriage? And so often that is the case for us Catholic Christians. The world looks upon us and the things we do uh, like we're crazy. And it's no different than for our Lord. In today's gospel, we hear how even Christ's relatives, those he's related to by blood, even they thought he was crazy. You know, what are you doing attracting these large crowds? What are you doing saying all these things? Uh, and what are you doing offering yourself up to be killed? like we heard in the letter to the Hebrews. Our Lord is that high priest who enters into the Holy of Holies, not in the earthly temple, but the actual temple in heaven. And he offers not like in the old covenant, the Old Testament, not the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood. For he is the true lamb of God, that pure lamb, which wipes away our sins and makes us all pure. And that passage then from Hebrews is very fitting for today's Saint, Saint Agnes, one of our greatest early uh, saints of Rome. She is one of the seven women mentioned in the Roman canon, the first Eucharistic prayer. And her name Agnes means, uh, it derives from a Greek word meaning pure. But in Latin, it's very similar to Agnus. And so there's kind of that affiliation. She's often depicted with a lamb in her arms uh, because of that association of her name with the lamb of God. And actually in uh, the Vatican, there's a tradition at St. Peter's to bless uh, two lambs and shear their wool to make the pallium for archbishops and the Pope. So in the statue over there with St. John Paul II, you see that kind of stole-looking thing going over his shoulders. That's called the pallium. Every archbishop uh, wears that. And so it's on the Feast of St. Agnes that uh, the wool is derived from that. St. Agnes died during the Diocletian persecution in the third century, third or fourth century. And she was only... 12 or 13 years old, you know, middle school age. And she uh, was desired to uh, enter into marriage by uh, different men, particularly one guy, uh, the son of a prefect, someone high in the government. And she refused him because she said, you know, she had consecrated her virginity to the Lord. She said, Christ, my Lord, has already chosen me. And, you know, he thought this was bizarre. 
And so he reported her to uh, the local government for being a Christian. And so she was taken to uh, the altar, the pagan temple, to offer up incense, to offer up sacrifice to uh, the pagan Roman gods. But she refused. Instead, she made a sign of the cross in the air, pointing to Christ, her spouse, in heaven. And so to try to break her from you know, this vow of virginity, they brought her to uh, a house of ill repute to, to shame her. Uh, but she knew Christ would protect her, and uh, tradition says a, a light surrounded her and protected her from anyone who tried to look upon her lustfully. Uh, and it, it was even said that someone who tried to look lustfully upon her was blinded and later converted. She then, uh, you know, the crowd was uh, drawn because she was going to be executed publicly. And St. Ambrose says that the people in the crowd actually started crying because the, the chains, her handcuffs, were too big. And from her little limbs, you know, they were slipping out. And so, you know, they were, uh, you know, just befuddled. Why is this young person going through all this? Why are they giving up? their whole life ahead of them, instead of just going with the world and what, you know, Rome says right now to do. The crowd, you know, the world thought she was crazy. And yet she persevered. And, uh, you know, even uh, St. Ambrose says that she went with more joy to her spouse because she knew that would be you know, in her death, she was going to Christ. So she went, he said that she went with more joy to her death as a virgin martyr than she would have to any earthly spouse on her wedding day. And, you know, even though then she's handicapped by youth, she was triumphant. She had that victory, sharing in that victory in Christ, and she gained the martyr's crown. She then is a great witness for us of, you know, persevering in Christ's ways, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. And she is a great model then for us, a great intercessor for us to have the virtue of chastity, because our society is in such need of that virtue. You know, we had the March for Life in Washington, D.C., the annual March for Life. And uh, Monday, because tomorrow's a Sunday, is by, per the U.S. Bishops, day of prayer for the legal protection of unborn children, the pure and innocent. And, you know, we do give thanks to God for the overturning of Roe v. Wade last year. And we know there's much to do in order to keep uh, bringing that legal protection now to all states, especially hopefully through, you know, an amendment, just like we ended slavery through an amendment to our Constitution, to have an amendment for the protection of all unborn, all life, including the unborn. 
But even with all that legal protection, all the, you know, the legal laws, what's really wrong in the whole picture is our hearts and the hearts of our society. And so even more than just fixing the legal protection, you know, bringing justice that way, we need to be praying for the conversion of hearts. Because even if they're not, uh, you know, Christian, even if they don't become Catholic, there is still that natural virtue of, of justice, and there's still that natural virtue of chastity, temperance, which is really the heart of the issue in all this discussion about abortion. You know, because it's often defended as uh, women's reproductive rights. But then what really, you know, St. John Paul II with his theology of the body really emphasizes to us is you're going to have problems whenever you divorce pleasure from the reproductive system. Just like you do whenever you divorce pleasure from uh, eating food, our nutrition system. <laughs> you know, we call it a disorder whenever we uh, vomit out what we eat so that just we can have that pleasure and enjoy our food without gaining fat. It's called bulimia. It's a disorder. But then, on the other hand, when we divorce uh, pleasure from the reproductive system, you know, that we've twisted into saying it must be protected at all costs that we can just have pleasure whenever we want. And yet, that's not fully what, you know, is designed for. Obviously, it's not going to be, uh, you know, bearing the fruit of procreation every time. There is that unitive aspect between husband and wife. But the procreative end is an essential aspect. There has to be that order to that natural end of the marital act. And so that's why even contraception, the church teaches, is, uh, you know, in a sense, a disorder. Because it twists and divorces the, the pleasure from the natural end of our, you know, body's design. And so, really, the whole heart of, you know, this debate, it all comes down to that foundation then of temperance, of chastity. And it's not a supernatural virtue, it's a natural virtue. Anyone and everyone should be able to grow in this virtue. St. Agnes, though, she can give us great intercession, especially for our society today, along with the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is all pure and holy, that, you know, we continue to have that fortitude, staying the course of Christ, that we might have, you know, that full energy in devoting ourselves to Christ and his church, and that, you know, we may stand up for what is right, stand up for those who can't speak for themselves, like the unborn, but in a way especially that we know that even though the world thinks we're crazy, just like they thought our Lord was crazy in today's gospel, that in the end, his victory is the only one which will matter. He is the one who has already triumphed 
on the cross. And so in the end, we should desire and we hope to be fully united like St. Agnes to that one victory, one for us, that we might be pure and holy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit forever. Amen. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.